What up, what up, what up? My name is Wack Ops. How you doing? Welcome to Hardcore Casual. This is episode 13. Man, welcome, welcome, welcome. I'm so happy that you're here. I wanted to start off the show with a little bit of show notes, a little bit of a heads up. We are actually going to be off next week. One, because I think I need a break. I think everybody needs a break. I wanted to keep this thing going as many Fridays as possible, but there has been some recent changes in my schedule, and so the schedule of the show may be changing. We are going to look into possibly doing a beginning of the week, weekend wrap-up kind of show, but if not, then keep it locked. We might still be here on Fridays, but keep an eye on our socials. Without further ado, let's get into what's going on this week. We had console software updates for all three major platforms. Very exciting stuff. They actually gave us some well-needed features. We also have some MCU Disney Plus shows that I wanted to talk about because I got some hot takes on that end. And then we have our trigger warning topic this week. It's all about activism in gaming. Beside that, we have nothing but leaks and delays for y'all. Oh my goodness, this week was just all leaks, all delays. Uh, Let's go ahead and crack right into it with the headliners where we tell you what made the front page this week in games and entertainment. So like I said just a second ago, delays are everywhere. Let's go ahead and start with Dying Light 2. This was a heartbreaker because if you've been following this game for any reasonable amount of time, you'll know it has been delayed, what, four or five, six times now, something ridiculous. This was actually supposed to come out, I believe, April or sometime in spring of 2021. So obviously this is very disappointing, but I think everybody can understand at this point, either you're going to be mad about game delays or you're going to understand that we just want a complete game at launch. I guess you guys know what camp I'm in if you've been listening to the show for any significant amount of time. Now, We also got another delay that actually surprised a lot of people and had some real-world impact. Battlefield 2042 is going to be delayed until November 19th of this year. Now, the initial delay rumor, which came with no date specific, it was possible 2022 release, that was sourced from Jeff Grubb, of course, as every rumor it seems like in the gaming industry comes from. But the initial delay rumor had caused an EA stock price drop of about 7%. This was reported out by VGC. So just so you guys know, the holiday season, if you say you're releasing a game in that that window, you got to stick to it. So a lot of these games that are getting delayed that are slated for the Christmas buying season, I wouldn't put Dying Light 2 in there necessarily. Beside the point, a lot of them got to know a lot of these companies, I say it all the time, they're publicly traded. So these delays and these rumors have a lot of weight. And it was just funny to see everybody on Twitter getting on Jeff Grubb like, bro, look at what your rumor did. You caused to, <laughs> you, you lost a company billions of dollars today because of your rumor. And he's like, dude, I'm not taking credit for that. So I thought that was just like a funny little tidbit within that delay rumor but of course I'm very disappointed Battlefield 2042 is the first person multiplayer shooter you know what I mean that I want to play this year of all of them um other than maybe Halo but again Halo I'm more into Twitch shooters and Halo is a little slower and I'm totally into that but my number one was Battlefield 2042 this year 
and it is disappointing that I'm going to have to wait just a little bit longer. But I did hear from a lot of people, it's nice because we get a nice gap between Far Cry and Call of Duty and Battlefield and Halo. So for those of us who work in the space or who are going to play multiple of these titles, we definitely get some time to enjoy all of them rather than having to rush through them. Speaking of which, let's go ahead and move on into our next story, which is all about, finally, we got a little bit, just a little bit, of good news around this chip shortage and these console shortages that are totally ruining everyone's good time. So, apparently, according to StockX via VGC, resellers are getting roughly 30% less for the PS5 on eBay, on the reseller secondary market. The Xbox Series X price is holding at about the same, um, and this is showing also that the volume in terms of how much, how many units are being sold and moved through eBay is holding steady. So StockX has reported that the average or rough price of the Xbox Series X on the secondary market is about $725, where the PS5 is floating around $715. If you were looking for a PS5 or Xbox Series X earlier this year, you would have known that that is quite a drop because they were selling for well over $1,000. You were getting hit with double the price. So it's nice to see at least a little bit of a dip. Of course, you're still paying more than $200 over the MSRP, but I, I think for those of us who... Now, this isn't me. I'm not going to eBay for my console, but for those of us who are frustrated and have been trying and trying and trying, I think this is, if you're going to buy from a reseller, this would have been a good time to wait until. I still don't advise you support them, but hopefully with enough time, they will stop being profitable for resellers given the packaging and the shipping and all this other nonsense. Next, uh, let's go ahead and talk about Epic versus Apple. Now, this was probably one of the bigger stories this week, but also just kind of hovering over the gaming space. I think a lot of us who are into the more business side of gaming or entertainment or media definitely found this very interesting because it affects the relationships between developers and whatever marketplace that they're working in. I know it sounds like a little bit heady of a conversation, but I'll try and explain it reasonably and rationally to you. And I'm pulling my information from Forbes. So, for those of you that don't know, Epic sued Apple in federal court, and it was over Apple kicking them off of their platform. Epic wants to paint Apple as the bad guy for charging developers 30% to sell on their marketplace and not allowing developers to sell outside of their marketplace specifically, or at least not notify their customers. So, according to the ruling, Apple cannot prevent third parties from telling you about payment methods outside of Apple. So, if you want to buy, for the sake of argument, you know, some kind of game currency, you had to click the button through Apple. You had to put your payment process through the Apple payment method. Now, you can go off-site and you can pay through a browser on your phone and still be able to get those resources to the app. So that's cool. And then it also allows developers who want to, they can now circumvent Apple's 30% cut, which is also 
nice, though, from what I hear, it is totally dependent upon if developers actually adopt this. Now, what was also really the big headline of this is that both companies lost. Epic was found to have violated Apple's rules, so they're allowed to be kicked off the store. So do not expect Fortnite anytime soon on Apple devices, if ever. And then Epic actually is made to pay out to Apple millions of dollars, somewhere around 12 million, 15 million, something like that. Uh, I forget the figure off the top of my head. But Apple potentially has lost billions of dollars. Because if you think about every app developer who is monetizing their app and the fact that Apple gets a 30% cut of every dollar that comes in through that app, well, now all of a sudden, if enough developers circumvent their 30% with this new ruling, that could potentially be billions of dollars for Apple. And I know the App Store is a big breadwinner over there. Now, as far as the whole point of the case, Epic was trying to prove that Apple was doing, you know, monopolistic things. They were acting as a monopoly. The judge felt like Apple theoretically could have been using monopolistic practices, but Epic did not prove it. There's actually a lot of juicy news in there. If you guys haven't dug into it, there was some reporting back a couple of months ago where this case actually spilled a lot of beans uh, uh, around the gaming space from Sony to Nintendo to Microsoft. They, all the big players in the space ended up talking about backroom deals and negotiations that you usually don't see. So it's very, very interesting. Dig in the case if you want some more information. And right after the ruling, just before I forget, being reported out by The Verge, Epic has officially appealed this verdict. So this story isn't ending anytime soon. Expect this to be in the news again and again for probably many years because trust you me, Apple is not letting go of those billions of dollars easy. So um, moving on. Let's go ahead and get into the Streets Are Talking segment where we talk rumors, gossip, and controversy. Now, let's go ahead and eat our Wheaties, kids, and get this story out of the way first. It's about Activision. Buckle your seatbelt. So apparently a federal labor complaint has been filed against Activision Blizzard. This is according to reporting from Bloomberg, but if you want a more detailed description of this story, I do suggest you check out Yong Yaz's video on YouTube. Uh, I think he did a great job detailing not only what happened previous to this and getting us to what brought us to this point, but also detailing all the major players. So, without further ado, the National Labor Relations Board, or the NLRB, has filed a complaint on behalf of a union, that is the CWA, against Activision Blizzard. Now, in this complaint, Activision is accused of, quote, violating federal labor law through coercive rules, actions, and statements according to the agency's docket. It also alleges the company illegally interrogated staff. Activision didn't immediately reply to request for comment. The NLRB protects the rights of workers in relation to collective bargaining and unfair labor practices, and the CWA, that is the union who is being, uh, who is filing this with the NLRB, uh, is the Communication Workers of America. They have a history of fighting large companies since its founding in 1938, uh, and they filed a complaint, a union labor practice complaint for, quote, worker intimidation and union busting. Uh, that is according to the CWA website. 
Now, for context, this is a dis- decent escalation from a state uh, lawsuit, which is the D- DFEH in California, to a federal agency, which is the NLRB. And this is on some worker protection stuff rather than just discrimination and sexual assault, which unfortunately uh, in this country, the former is taken a lot more seriously. So this is definitely something that Activision has on the front burner. They are not trying to mess this up any more than they already have, but they, you know, as many of us know already and has been reported out, they have hired Wilmer Hale, which is a famous union-busting law firm, to help them navigate this situation. But the point is, this story, as I say every time I bring it up, it is not going away because we're not done talking about it. I'm glad to see these issues brought up and taken seriously by someone with what seems to be some level of power and can hold Activision Blizzard and companies like it accountable moving forward. Okay. That's enough. Take a deep breath. We'll get back to some video game news. Let's talk about this huge NVIDIA leak. I mean, this was huge. Blockbuster, the level of this leak. So much and so that NVIDIA themselves had to come out and say something. Most leaks are not addressed by the company that is the leak is supposedly about because at the point that they address it, they have to deny or confirm and blah, blah, blah. But with how many titles that were listed they kind of had an easy out as far as how they address this issue. Now, I'm pulling this list from WCCF Tech, but you can find the entire list on GitHub and on Reddit. It's floating around the internet. Everybody's talking about it. Definitely check it out. Uh, Some notable titles that I saw on the list personally, Bioshock 2022, Crisis 4, uh, Demon Souls for PC, Fable 4, Gears 6, GTA Trilogy Remastered, Half-Life 2 Remastered, Injustice 3, Gods Will Fall, Monster Hunter 6, Resident Evil Remake, Resident Evil 4 Remake, excuse me, Time Splitters 2 Remastered, and XCOM 3. Now, a lot of these, because they were on the NVIDIA site, many people assume them to be PC titles, which I assume with some of the titles that are already out in the wild, that is true. But, this... Uh, was bad enough that NVIDIA had to come out with a statement saying that basically a lot of what you saw at some point did exist. It was being kicked around. Some of these games are in fact real, but obviously they cannot confirm or deny for legal reasons, and they are dealing with the leak accordingly. It's very disappointing for NVIDIA, and really, honestly, the amount of leaks and the severity of leaks lately with these publicly traded companies and these huge companies that hold these IPs does disappoint me because I don't like being spoiled. I would have loved the surprise reveal of XCOM 3 or Monster Hunter 6 or Half-Life 2 Remastered, you know? And no diss to, like, all the leakers who eat off of that, but I just mean, um, I mean, all the people who report on the leaks. I'm not knocking them. I just mean people who are breaking into these systems just to get, you know, their their name up on on a forum, I, I, I don't know. It, it spoils a lot of the fun for me seeing these leaks. After I read enough of the list and saw how wide it was, I was like, I, I'm good. I'm out. I don't need to read anymore. I want to be surprised. Because this potentially could ruin the next like three years of releases, two years of releases. Think about how early development goes. I'm just surprised that all these games were listed so blatantly 
and none of them had code names. But let's move on to some more leaks. And actually, this story and the next one kind of go together in, in a funny way. Redfall screenshots actually leaked onto the internet. This came to us from Windows Central. The screenshots show Redfall, the cinematic trailer that we got at E3 last year that was the Arcane's latest vampire co-op looter shooter, supposed to be coming out at some point summer 2022, apparently. But the screenshots show very early development, and I mean pre-alpha. Textures aren't on characters yet. There are literal, like, development tools within the screenshots. It's, it is very interesting to see how early in development this got leaked because it definitely put a bad taste in a lot of mouths of gamers who don't understand game development. Now, the screenshots show character models, environments, menu, and menu screens. It pretty much gave you a, a good idea of the look and feel that they're going for. Again, very disappointing for uh, Microsoft, the Microsoft team over there, the Arcane team over there. I know they work really hard and we're all big fans of a lot of the work that they do. So I hope that, you know, if you're excited for this title, you can avert your eyes. But it definitely, the discourse around this and the next story definitely kind of rubbed me the wrong way. So the other thing that was going around this week is a story around uh, God of War, because a God of War Ragnarok trailer was showed off, right, last week at the PlayStation Showcase, and it showed similar animations used in God of War 2018, specifically Kratos getting into a boat. Now, the reaction from a lot of the gaming space saying, oh, this is proof that the devs are lazy and we're not getting the game we want because they're reusing assets. Why don't they remake the whole game from from the bottom up and this and that? And between that and the Redfall pre-alpha screenshots that people were reacting to, it made everybody kind of look around and realize that most of the consumer base, most gamers, do not actually know how a video game is made. And I heard a couple of interesting points from some podcasts and different people in the space on YouTube that, you know, movies are documented in the making of XYZ. Same with clothes and music and this and that. But games are a lot more insulated from that. They keep a lot of things really close to the chest. And so there's a there's a disconnect between the community that's playing the game and making it and it, it really it, it frustrates me because I honestly I don't know anything about game development myself but I know one way to teach the community definitely isn't slam dunking on them on on Twitter you know what I mean dunking on the fans on Twitter isn't going to help them learn about game development and I think games journalists could probably learn a little something step back from Twitter and let the bad take pass. You know what I mean? I saw so many people highlighting both of these bad takes or all of these bad takes. You know what I mean? Don't quote tweet, don't screenshot and repost somebody who has, who is deliberately shit posting in the first place. You know what I mean? Don't feed the trolls. That's, that's what I just want to say to everybody in the gaming space about what I saw on Twitter this week. Please stop feeding the the trolls y'all. Please. It's getting ridiculous. But With that, we're going to go ahead and jump into our first break. When we come back, we're going to get into the real 
and the platform wars, and we're going to break down everything that has been happening in the space. We're also going to go ahead and talk about the five minutes of football and recap that Thursday night football game that I just got done watching. I'm hyped. That that was, man, down to the wire. It was so good. But come right back and we'll get into it. Thank you so much for being here. My name is Wack Ops and this is Hardcore Casual. All right, guys, welcome back. Let's go ahead and jump right into it with The Real. That is where we break down the latest in movie and TV news. Now, let's start off with a quick announcement all about Venom 2. <laughs> Venom 2's release date has moved for the upteen time. It has actually been moved up this time to October 1st. Venom 2 has moved up to October 1st, likely due in part to the success of the Shang-Chi film. Of course, it blew the doors off the box office, shattering everybody's expectations, and it has definitely turned the eyes of a lot of the holiday release schedule folks. I think a lot of people were ready to delay their films if Delta was affecting the box office too much. Now, one little thing, quick note that came out of all these interviews and this marketing push for Venom 2 is IGN sat down with Andy Serkis and he teased a Superman crossover. Quote, of course it's going to happen, he said in an interview. But he later in, the, in that same iteration answering that question said, but don't rush it. If we make them meet too soon, then we're going to miss out on all these great villains, movies, and stories that we could tell, which, if it wasn't Andy Serkis, I would disagree with, but I, I, I trust that guy. I think if he's the one directing it, maybe. I would watch that. I would watch more of these villains, and I think what Sony's doing on that side with the supervillains, I think everybody would agree that supervillains, generally speaking, are more interesting than the heroes, so yeah, give me more supervillain movies. Stand alone. I don't need them fighting nobody. Give me more of that. I like that content. I'll pay for it. Make it rated R. I'll pay double the price. Let's do it. Um, moving on, let's go ahead and talk about, we got two different topics we want to talk about. The MCU Disney Plus TV shows. One upcoming, one happening now. Now, this week, we got the Hawkeye trailer. And uh, I'm going to be honest with you, man. This, this bothered me purely on premise alone. Like, can we just let Hawkeye live? Can you let this man have some rest and hang out with his kids? Has he not been through enough? Now, this is the introduction of Kate Bishop. Uh, the show is going to have a Christmas theme. I think it's kind of a diehard-esque film, but obviously not as uh, bloody and explosive. But, you know, it should be more funny and family-friendly than the other MCU Disney Plus shows that we've seen and I hope that this can have a happy ending because I am so tired of seeing Hawkeye make that face honestly as soon as I saw that Hawkeye was on the docket I was like let this man rest leave him alone please let him retire like put him on a shelf for the next like five years and let him come back as like old man Hawkeye or something like man but I think this show, honestly, if this show doesn't hit the right tone or really just be a hit in general, I'm going to say the verdict is official. As far as any MCU Disney Plus shows, the Mystics definitely, 
definitely are killing it over these dudes with gadgets because that's what Hawkeye is. That's what Captain America and the Winter Soldier are. They're just some dudes with gadgets. I mean, don't don't get me wrong. Military, you can fight. You, you're smart and can plan and all that. I get that. But like, you're a dude with some gadgets and the mystics are killing you like Scarlet Witch and Doctor Strange and Loki. I don't know. I'm excited about the future of MCU shows if they incorporate magic and time travel and interdimensional stuff. That seems to be where they like to go with their MCU shows. And I hope they continue to keep that uh, moving forward. But I'm not going to act like I won't watch the Hawkeye show. I just know that it might be the first MCU Disney Plus show that I skip a lot of. (laughs) Or I, you know, I might miss an episode or two. But... We'll see. If you guys want me to go ahead and watch it and report it out, I, of course, will. We can recap episodes here. Speaking of recapping episodes, let's go ahead and talk about Wednesday's episode of What If? Because I had a couple of major beefs with this episode. So the premise was, what if Killmonger saved Tony Stark? And that is at the start of Iron Man 1, right? We've seen the promo material by now. If you're listening to this, I would imagine you, you would have. Um, you know, Killmonger saves Tony Stark from that initial bombing, and the take that they went with was, uh, spoilers, by the way, spoilers ahead, just know, skip ahead about four or five minutes, I'm, I'm about to go in on this episode, and if you don't want it to be ruined for you, here's your opportunity now. So, two major problems I had with this episode, right? It felt kind of like an MCU speed run. It was like Killmonger versus the world. Like he, in the first scene, or the, I guess, second or third scene with Tony Stark, he totally takes out the first villain of the first movie. Obadiah Stane, totally, like, first five seconds, he's just like, oh, yeah, he set me up, and he paid for it, and da 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 and then that was just that, right? And he just, like, knocks out all these different movies. I think they did, what, Iron Man 1, they did... Uh, what's the one where they're trying to Ulysses Claw is trying to deal the you your the vibranium? I think that's in Infinity War. Uh, they did or or either that or Civil War. They did Black Panther, and then they did what else? I feel like they did one more Avengers movie. Like it was crazy. Killmonger basically, and don't get me wrong, I think that this was a raw strategy in terms of writing. I just think it felt super rushed, and you couldn't do this story in 26 minutes or whatever it ended up being. I felt like it was almost a little too clean, and tonally, they felt like they were kind of fence-sitting. I wasn't really sure if I was getting like a Wakanda story or an Iron Man story or... Obviously, it's a Killmonger story, but... I don't know, without the the gaps in between, some of those lines hit corny when they should hit real tough and real raw, you know, um, especially from Killmonger. I think, you know, no knock to Michael B. Jordan. I think he's a fantastic actor. I know he can kill it in this role, and I want to see more of Killmonger in the MCU. None of that is untrue, and I'm going to continue to support him in that role. But I will say some of those reads just felt like they didn't hit nowhere near the same as they did in Black Panther. And they, you know, because they reuse lines and kind of harken back to different things and Easter eggs and stuff like that. And I was just like, ah, man, all of this feels kind of 
soft for Killmonger in a way or too clean, too easy. You know what I mean? I feel like they maybe packed too much into one episode. And then lastly, like, honestly, my biggest issue with this whole episode was like, bro, how many times are they going to kill T'Challa? He died twice in Black Panther. He died in this episode. He died in Infinity War. He died in real life. And now with the Black Panther 2 film, we're going to have to go through his whole mourning process again. And it's just like, bro, I know he recorded this before his death. I'm aware of that. But like, bro, this was written before he died. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I'm just, I, I don't know, man. I'm very touchy about the T'Challa thing. Not only on some like, you know, black pride, black power shit, but it just feels like a perversion. And like, why are we making money off of this black death all the time? I'm so tired of seeing this black man die. Even like, even in context, even in context, I'm over it. Like we can find a different way to tell this story. He can go, he can, anything else, anything else. Let him fall through a black hole into another dimension or something. I, I need to stop watching him lifeless on the ground that, that, that doesn't rock with me you know but either way I was really looking forward to this episode but you know this was the first one or I guess the second one that really just didn't hit for me so you know hopefully next week they come with something hot I'm not gonna lie I feel like I'm disappointed because the Wakanda episode was one that rubbed me the wrong way and I wish it didn't but who knows maybe that's just me being sensitive maybe that's just me wanting more um of something and them not giving it to me who knows but i definitely want to stop seeing child die and i definitely want to see more killmonger if we have the opportunity to put him in a good story because i think this story was just a little lacking moving on let's go ahead and jump into the platform wars that is where we keep a pulse on the major platforms in the gaming space and where they're headed to next we're going to go ahead and start with microsoft xbox now I told you guys at the beginning of the show that all three companies gave us a software update, and that is all the news that's coming out of Microsoft this week. This, the software update is related to xCloud streaming, and it is now built into the Xbox app on PC. Before, it was only available through your web browser. Now you can just click the little icon on your screen, and you will be able to stream games through the app on your computer. That's really cool. Uh, the update will also allow you to play your Xbox remotely and stream it through your PC so you can actually turn on your physical hardware and play remotely off of that, almost like a screen mirroring situation, but obviously they've been working out all the latency issues and things like that. But end of the day, Microsoft is get, trying to give you as many ways to play on the, in their ecosystem as possible on your phone, on your computer. I'm very, I'm very excited. I'm very excited for how... Uh, they're tackling accessibility and really making that the drum that they want to beat this generation is all about accessibility and getting games in the hands of as many people as possible and growing the greater community the greater ecosystem as a whole I appreciate that just as a fan of the industry and not just a fan of Xbox or Microsoft or whatever it's just nice that I can tell my non-gamer friends like bro all you need is a controller and and uh 15 bucks a month and you can play all these things that you've you've heard of like that that's a cool thing to be able to say to somebody you can play on your iphone you can play on your computer you don't even need an xbox like that's cool that's cool 
So shout out to Xbox on that. Next, <laughs> we have the lovely, the wonderful Nintendo gaming company. Uh, <laughs> Nintendo finally gave us something we've been waiting on for four years. Well, I haven't personally, but Nintendo Switch owners have been waiting on for four years, and that is a firmware update to allow Bluetooth devices to connect to your Nintendo Switch. Now, this specifically is surrounded, uh, the controversy was surrounding wireless headphones. People were irritated that they can't use wireless headphones to get sound from their Nintendo Switch, and I totally agree. And I'm mad it took four years to do it, and I'm mad that it literally just took a firmware update. It, It could have the whole time. A lot of the smart people on the internet who know more about technology than me, hardware than me, uh, say that basically because your controllers, Bluetooth, and all these other Bluetooth things are already happening near the device, you kind of just need to be careful about attaching too many Bluetooth things to the Switch. Otherwise, you're going to get interference and it could affect your gaming experience. Next for Nintendo. Now, this was big news for all our EU, UK fans out there. The Switch is getting a price drop in Europe, according to Axios Gaming. It is going from €299 to €259.99. Now, this deal will not expand to the U.S., unfortunately, for all my countrymen. We are not getting this excellent price drop. But it is nice to see that the Nintendo Switch is getting a price drop because what that means is, is that the OLED... They're trying to make the standard, and more than that, it opens up the potential for more Nintendo Switch Pro talk, because that's all (laughs) that every Nintendo fan really wants to talk about is the latest Nintendo Switch hardware rumors. So, let the games begin. I bet you by this time next week, we're going to have more Nintendo Switch Pro rumors. I wouldn't be surprised, and I don't think neither would you, but shout out to all the European folks who have yet to get a Nintendo Switch, you can now purchase one for a now reduced price. So that is exciting news. Now, let's go ahead and jump into Sony PlayStation because they did not have no news this week. They also put out a software update. Now, this update is to officially allow everybody in their ecosystem to install an SSD and have it be compatible with their software. I'm very excited to see how many people totally ruin this i hope too many of you don't break your ps5 please check known resources uh in terms of installation it is not hard but you can mess up anything i'm a true believer that almost anyone can ruin installing something uh hardware wise with technology i'm very excited to hopefully see this be a way for you know the gaming community and quote unquote you know casual gamers as you will are you know kind of get more acclimated to how things are made and how their different systems work and what things are called and kind of closing the gap as far as you know these super smart people who work within the technology and you know the people who are actually the use case and actually using the technology the update also included some trophy improvements and some quality life fixes Um, But overall, the SSD was the mainstay. In our next story for PlayStation, we're going to revisit that redesign because Gamer Nexus and Digital Foundry both put out videos detailing the new specs and the impact of those changes that we were talking about last week with the Austin Evans video. Now, 
I do want to give some credit to Hardware Busters International because they actually did put out the first video disputing Austin Evans' claims about the PS5 remodel being worse than the original launch PS5. But I went ahead and watched not only the Hardware Busters International video, but I think earlier today, both Games Nexus and Digital Foundry put out separate videos, but in collaboration with one another. Games Nexus handled the hardware and the thermals, where Digital Foundry tested the game's performance. Now, I'm not going to get into the weeds and all that, because I'm not going to try and regurgitate information that I truly do not understand, but I did watch the full video. I would suggest you go and watch Digital Foundry, the performance video, if you're a little more casual like me, but if you are a PC builder and you are a hardware nerd, please go check out Games Nexus. I'm sure you already have <laughs> if you do, because uh, quite frankly, he is both of these uh, YouTube channels are the place to go for any of my hardware or technical questions in the gaming space. Anyway, uh, the verdict is that there is no performance issue, as in you plug it in, there's no difference between how it runs one model to another right now today. But longevity is still a semi-open question. Because they said that essentially the heat that is attached to the memory is still, yes, within the margin of error, but, or within the margins for safety, but that is assuming that you have good airflow and you're not putting them in closed, in enclosed spaces. You're not a smoker. You don't have pet hair and dust. You clean it out regularly. You know what I mean? Like someone who knows how to take care of a console should have no problem. But I think there could potentially be some overheating issues with the PS5 three, four, five years down the line, like we see with a lot of consoles. I think all of them made it abundantly clear that this is a negligible difference. They are not spending necessarily extra money on a different model, and they would they all advised not to go out of your way for one or the other because there's so much variance in terms of uh, who personally put this console together or, you know what I mean, they use different fans in the console. There's no point in looking for a different model number, a different SKU. But it is important to take care of your device and know that it is possible that you get one of these smaller heat sinks in the new redesigned PS5 and thusly airflow is going to be that much more important for your console and longevity. And again, it is still a semi-open question. They said they all needed to do much more testing because this is just one sample size and they need a much larger sample size to give all of us an accurate representation of where the PlayStation 5 redesign actually has an impact on your experience. Now, moving on to one of my favorite segments of the week. Go ahead and get your timer out. Are you ready for the five minutes of football? Let's go ahead and jump into it with Thursday Night Football. I just got done with what turned out to be an amazing game. I don't know what it is about the NFC East, but they they really fight for the bottom, don't they? Like It felt like nobody wanted to win this game toward the end. Great down-to-the-wire experience. Sterling Shepard had like nine catches for 95 yards. Uh, Saquon Barkley did not show up in the way that we wanted him to. Terry McLaurin did his thing, even without Ryan Fitzpatrick out there. And to end the game, 
Last seconds. Five seconds left on the clock. Washington from like the 30. Hopkins, their kicker, kicks it. Misses the kick for the game. And the Giants get a call for offsides. They were, in fact, offsides. And kick number two goes in to seal the win. Washington football team ends up pulling out the win at home. Washington 30, New York 29. Now, as a look ahead to week two, we have two beautiful, wonderful matchups that I can't wait on both the nightly games. We have Monday Night Football. We have Patrick Mahomes versus Lamar Jackson. So tune in for that one. I know everybody's excited to see this potential playoff preview. And of course, on Sunday Night Football, we have Tennessee, who is going to be visiting the Seattle Seahawks. Let's go ahead and root for Tennessee for us, okay? Now, as far as my 49ers are concerned, let's go ahead and take some overreactions from week one. Yes, Brandon Ayuk, our starting wide receiver or former starting wide receiver, is in our coach's Kyle Shanahan's doghouse. Yes, he was actually the last, and I do mean last, wide receiver on the depth chart to practice with the first team this last week. So it looks like it's potentially real that Brandon Ayuk could be seeing a little less time, a few more snaps over the next few weeks until he gets his act together. I don't know what exactly the issue is behind the scenes, but something tells me this young man is going to meet that challenge and exceed expectations. So let's not overreact after one week. Now, what I'm about to talk about next is not an overreaction. Let's go ahead and send some prayers up for two wonderful, wonderful football players who I hope continue to have wonderful careers after they recover from injuries. Both of these players were on their last year of their contract with the San Francisco 49ers and suffered season-ending injuries this last Sunday. That is, of course, cornerback Jason Verrett and running back Raheem Mostert. Both of these guys, honestly, seem like really good dudes off the field. Raheem Mostert has been known as a great community member, and from what everything I've heard about Jason Verrett, I've heard nothing but good things. So please, send prayers up for these two. I really, really hope that if not with the 49ers, they get opportunities elsewhere to have a long and healthy career. And lastly, let's get into just a quick snapshot, a quick prediction for all of y'all. This week, we're playing the Philadelphia Eagles, and y'all know what's going to go down. It's going to be a close one because the Philadelphia Eagles front seven is no slouch, and we're a running team. I respect that. But I say this might end up being a barn burner. We're going to get a 34-28 to final. 49ers pull it out in another close game. Now, let's go ahead and jump into our second and last break before we come back and get into the trigger warning topic of the week. What is it this week? It is all about activism in entertainment, specifically gaming, but we're going to going to touch base on a couple of different places where we see activism in entertainment and really deep dive and have a tough discussion about what we're going to do about changes we want to see in the industry we care so much about. So please come back, stay tuned. This is Hardcore Casual and my name is Wack Ops. We'll be right back. Okay, guys, welcome back. Let's go ahead and jump 
right on into the trigger warning topic of the week. Now, for those of you that are unfamiliar with the trigger warning topic of the week, it is where we dissect everything under the surface and bring it to light. Now, this week is all about art versus the artist and activism in entertainment. Now, a story came up this week that had me thinking and it really kind of drummed up something that I've been thinking about for months now. This week, The Wired reported out that Twitch is suing two users over hate raids for, quote, targeting black and LGBTQIA plus streamers with racist, homophobic, sexist, and other harassing content. And this was, you know, championed across the space as like a good move. And I'm not saying it's not a good move. We should be holding people accountable and we should have, you know, at least some measure of deterrence in place for people not to behave this way. That is unfortunately how a lot of people learn. A lot of people have uh, no home training. So with that, I would say, you know, I, after after seeing that, I, I it dawned on me how much activism is happening in the space right now. You know what I mean? Uh, you have women fighting for their rights, not in, only in the workplace, but in the gaming space at all. You have black people being attacked in, attacked in hate raids. You have the Activision Blizzard boycott that has basically, you know, the top-selling franchise every year. People are talking about potentially boycotting. And then just last week, we had the tripwire president say he was supporting abortions or whatever in Texas, and and that ended up becoming a, a narrative that got him kicked out of his job. They ended up losing business because of it. And I think all of those things tie into activism. And that's what a lot of people are kind of trying to get involved with. And obviously, this is not, I'm not any kind of, you know, arbiter of what what resources you should be giving your time to. But I thought it was interesting that, you know, a couple of weeks ago, publications said that they won't report on Ubisoft and Activision because of the allegations uh, against them or whatever, things that have been bared out in different court cases and uh, lawsuits. I, I guess I don't know what the strategy is. You know what I mean? It feels like we, those of us who want to see change in the space, don't really have a place to organize. And I do want to make this clear. These are all open questions. I'm not here with answers to these questions. I, I, I genuinely just want listeners of this program to be thinking about like, dude, what is the strategy out there? Do you have a strategy in terms of what are you going to do when a company behaves badly? in the space? Are you going to stop supporting them monetarily? Are you going to give resources to those in need? You know what I mean? Are you going to organize and coalesce with other people who think like you? And if you are on the employee side and you work at one of these companies, I think it's time, and it's been time, We, we it's been a conversation in the gaming space for a while, about unionizing. Uh, we had talked about a the Communication Workers Alliance or Communication Workers of America in an earlier story. I think that gaming, having a union, some kind of developers union, or even games journalists, I believe they're already unionized. So I think it's important that people really start thinking about big pieces on the board. And this is no direct comment at a day off Twitch, but more just 
it is symbolic. And I think a lot of us who have been working in activism or worked around or been influenced by activism in any kind of fundamental way are kind of tired of, of symbolic gestures and symbolism. A day off Twitch is dope. It's nice to see that it had an impact enough to get Twitch to to react, to blink. Now, if we can get them to move, that that's dope. You know, all I know, like like I said, I don't have answers to all these questions because I'm not I'm not the smartest guy in the room. I'm not the loudest voice in the room. I'm neither. But I do have the right to participate. And all I do know is for certain is that we need to be asking for more, more out of the platforms that uh, we donate our time to and create value for. We need to ask more out of our employers who ask us to create such great work and do not appreciate our work in the workplace or outside of the workplace. We need to ask more of, quite frankly, consumers. They need to know more. You, as a gamer, need to know more about how your games are made and knowing really who the bad guy is in a situation because I see a lot in the gaming space like people being mad at devs when it's the publisher's fault. That's something so-and-so happened, a game got delayed, or a game came out buggy, or whatever. And I think all of those things are going to help grease the, the wheels in terms of moving this thing forward and getting to a place where we all can at least work as hard as we can without being impeded. You know what I mean? And I, I, I don't know. I want to challenge. I challenge myself, but I also want to challenge you to find creative ways of donating your time, your effort, your energy, your care, and your love to people that need it. Like, yes, money helps, but access to opportunity is far more important, in my opinion. Like, rather than boycotting and protesting through absence, I believe we should protest through resistance and overwhelming presence. Challenge creators and gatekeepers in the space to donate their time and visibility Rather than like take a step back like, oh, I'm going to get off Twitch for my people. How about you spend all day on your stream shouting out your people, big upping your people, showing resources to your people and for your people rather than saying, I'm going to take a day off. You know what I mean? Those of us that can, some of us needed that day off. Some people needed a day off Twitch, otherwise they wasn't going to take it. So I, I do want to highlight that but I just mean as a whole I'm not talking about any specific group necessarily I think as a whole if you want to see change in the space then we have to challenge the creators and the gatekeepers to donate their time and visibility and also we got to challenge the businesses to show their work and participate in dialogue with the communities that they cultivate and serve because that's what they do they cultivate these communities and serve them we give them money for a service don't forget that. I should be able to feel safe in that space, in that community. And I, I, I just, I, I see a lot of people saying I got to give up something that I enjoy for the sake of this and for the sake of that. Like, look, man, I don't think it's good to say, you know, like, don't stop enjoying the things you love because of the horrible people that, that make them or participate in them. I'll give you an example. The Activision devs had to come out and say right after the lawsuit dropped that they still want you to play their game and that they shouldn't be punished for the behavior of some shitty people that they work with. And that really is what kind of got this train of thinking 
going for me was I had to sit there and be like, well, I don't want to play the, I don't want to buy the new Call of Duty and support these evil, this evil company, but not everybody over there is evil. Some of those people worked hard as hell to work on their favorite franchise and they finally got there and they were cheated out of everything that they enjoyed about their job by those same evil people that I don't want to support either. So, you know, just speaking of COD, for example, right? It's one of my favorites, of course, of all time. I have childhood memories with it. It's it's how I learned FPS shooter or, or first person shooters. And it is one of the most toxic communities in gaming. I mean, don't get me wrong. You know, you got the Smash and Pokemon communities. You got, you know what I mean? The Apex community. You got, you got all kinds of different communities out there who are super toxic. The Don't get me into the, the PC, you know, the Dota and the LOL and the, I get you. You know what I mean? But for what I know, Call of Duty is the most toxic, one of the most toxic gaming communities in the space. And for me, I would rather fight off that toxicity and reclaim the space for the rest of us, you know what I mean? I don't want to run away from something that I enjoy. I want the bad actors to run away. I want those who want to make the space toxic for everybody else to run away. I don't want them to be like, oh, this is ours and we're going to make it hard for you until you leave. No, 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 no. I'm not going nowhere. I'm not going to leave something that brings me some kind of joy in life because of Quite frankly, just some random asshole out in the world. There's too many of them for me to give that much care into that. But that doesn't mean that I should have to put up with it either. So don't be afraid to make them. And when I say them, I mean sexist and racist and trans and homophobes and all the people who are making it more and more and more difficult for us to just be, be able to enjoy a video game play it, talk about it in whatever space or context or connotation we want to. Don't be afraid to make them uncomfortable in common gaming spaces. Not just when you're safe in your space. No, in public forum. Let other people see that. Let other people know that, it, that, that that's not okay and we're not going to let that slide. I understand that all of this is emotionally charged. But you cannot be afraid to make them, make anyone uncomfortable. Don't forget to stay dangerous. With that, I'm going to go ahead and end it there. I want to make sure that I gave you guys a little something to chew on. Usually I tie this to some kind of article or something like that. But I think there has been an undercurrent that we needed to address within the gaming space, specifically around activism and I hope that this reaches some people who do care about what's happening in the gaming space and I hope that we can keep it pushing with that being said I want you guys to go ahead and holla at me so we can get it together and come and join and be a part of a growing community please don't forget to support this show you can reach us at our gmail that's wackops w-h-a-c-k-o-p-z at gmail.com you can also find us on Twitter and Instagram, again, at WACOPS, W-H-A-C-K-O-P-Z. If you're showing love, I need the sub. If you're trying to holla, I need the follow. If you enjoy the content, don't forget to comment. And if you're liking what we do, download, share, and review. We are available on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Now, 
I'm going to leave you, but I'm going to leave you with what I always leave you with. The shout out of the week where we give people their flowers and hold them up high. And this week, it's going to Disney. I know. I know. Weird. I've been I've been capping on Disney for some time now. Last couple of weeks has been <laughs> a whole lot of me dogging Disney out. But I actually, I, I, I don't know why this just came across my feed. I didn't know about it. And I got really excited about it because I had good memories with it. And I'm glad to see it coming back. And of course, I'm talking about the proud family louder and prouder it is coming to disney plus in 2022 and the best part about this is most of the cast are reprising their roles i'm so excited to hear all these wonderful people in the room together again because i think um for a lot of people of color who liked disney uh outside of raven this i, I would say this was better than raven i think this was probably my favorite one of my favorite black cartoons made for kids of my era. It's up there. It's definitely up there where the entire show was people of color for the most part, like 90%. That's really cool. And especially it being from Disney, that's rare. You don't get that a lot. And it was just a flash in the pan. It was only there for like three seasons. But I'm glad they're bringing it back. And I'm glad that they're bringing back the original cast to reprise their roles. I'm so, so excited. Before I leave you some guest stars that are going to be included in the show are Little Nas X, Chance the Rapper, Tiffany Haddish, Lizzo, Gabrielle Union, and Jaden Smith. I, I, I'm just, I'm elated to see all these black creators coming together and making a show, I mean, for, that's cross-generational, I'll say. You know what I mean? Something that is, that can be both for kids now, but also for big kids like me who just want to relive being a 12-year-old all over again. So with that, we're going to leave you. I want to thank all of you so, so, so much for supporting us uh, as long as you have. And as far as we've gotten, I just want to remind you, like I said, next week we will be taking a week off and then the show schedule may be changing. So definitely keep it locked and keep an eye on our social media pages so we can keep you up to date on what's happening. But until then, I am Whack Ops. This is Hardcore Casual. Have fun. Be cool and stay dangerous.